Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, look, I, we, we have to talk about this. We, we need to talk about NBA Top Shot again. <laughs> oh, my but God. I have, I have this idea, right? And, like, I think we should make our own version of Top Shot and call it, like, Busted Bucket. And it's just, like, it's, like, all highlights of, like, missed dunks. But then you can only watch the highlights on Real Player or something like that. Like, I think that's like, the perfect thing. We'll just, like, charge, like, half of whatever they charge for um for Top Shot and, like, just make all sorts of money. So, you remember how we talked about... um how the the highlights like how am i supposed to know this isn't on youtube yeah right and then one of so look i'll be honest i signed up for top shot to see if i could score uh, they got attack you. they they got me the these clowns at dapper or whatever that company is that's backing this stuff got me and one of the highlights that they were promoting on it was manu's dunk in the finals on uh on chris bosh and I'm kind of like, that's all over YouTube. Like, what the hell is this? What What is this supposed to mean? Like, this is some kind of currency to me. If I could just watch it on YouTube anytime. That that already infuriated me, but they've already got all my personal information, so great. Now they can go sell it to whoever. The Did other you part... buy no, the card? I couldn't get in. That's the, that's the other uh, thing. They had 60,000 cards, quote-unquote cards, available... I was like number one hundred and one thousand in line, oh, shoot. Oh, and I thought God. I had it bad. And then I see like some of the guys from the starters are like one hundred and eighty three thousand in line, and I'm like, oh, this is pointless. Did did you want to did you want to stick around and try to bid your way up there though? That's where the exclu- exclusivity is. I, now I you waited. Know. I waited, and what sucks is so I've got a friend that actually got in on Top Shot. And he wow. bought he bought a pack off the first pack for I think fifteen bucks he said, and he sold it all already for two hundred and fifty. And like the, the two cards, two of the cards he had only went up like maybe a dollar or two, but he got a LeBron card. He, he, I couldn't remember which one it was, but he did get a LeBron card that he ended up selling for two fifty. But he wow. can't pull the money out because you have to have a minimum of a thousand dollars to pull your money out of Top Shot, oh. <laughs> and there's your scheme. Just sitting there in Fuck. nowhere. And these guys, like, there's all these. Oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind. But there's all these guys that have made a ton of money off of this stuff. Yep. But they were also already in Dapper and investing in Dapper and making money off of that when it turned into Top Shot. And then they're out there getting the packs, too. And this thing hasn't even... They haven't released what the NBA called, like, legend packs, old highlights, vault packs. And this isn't even available in China. So this isn't just, like... This isn't the tip. Like, if this is the tip, then this failed miserably. But they apparently have a really long way to go. Wow. Dude, that's crazy. And, you know, like, nobody's happier about the stimulus package than the owners of that company because, you know, they're probably making all kinds of money right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm we're expecting that email. Crazy. 
And now that everything, everyone's like Wells Fargo's and Bank of America's are going to clear, I'm expecting that email from Top Shot like later this week to say, hey, we suddenly have this amazing pack together, like all these rare cards for $15. Come on. It's 100% going to happen. What a ripoff. I still don't get like, it just still doesn't make sense to me. This is apparently like a big thing outside of the NBA, though. These uh, these different things backed by yeah, backed by the NFTs. Like, what the hell is going on? I just uh, technology scares me. That's all. I'm just going to keep repeating that. Technology just continues (laughs) to scare me. It wasn't tangible. I was fine with technology and everything, but when it becomes like something where you don't actually know what you're getting or anything like that, that's when yeah, it totally gets like like scary for me. So I'm just like. What am I doing? Like, what am I? Where am I putting my money? What are my chances of actually getting it out? Uh, what am I actually getting out of this thing? It's just like it's just too many questions for me. I uh, I heard this interesting quote the other day. To paraphrase it, it's something goes that um, eventually all consumerism comes around to consume itself, and I think that's what that's what top shot is it's consumerism consuming itself like it's, it's consumerism for the sake of consumerism i'm just gonna go live in a cave man <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you go all mr fantastic if you've seen that netflix movie no, I just want to go live in a cave. I don't know <laughs> I, I you know speaking of netflix you know what's the worst thing about <laughs> like it sucks because, like, I remember when The Office left and Parks and Rec left. Uh-huh. Oh, I was just kind of like, the worst time. yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, one, I'm not signing up for Peacock. Go to hell. Yeah. You're not getting my money, especially when they tried to put the Premier League behind the paywalls. I know. Like, I can't no. Watch City. Like, no, uh, that's not yeah. happening. You're not getting any of my money, NBC. You're not. <laughs> but then it's like, so now I don't have, like, The Office or Parks and Rec to just put on in the background after work. And. You know, just Disney Plus is terrible mm-hmm. on the Fire Stick. It it it's just the the worst app I've ever seen designed for a Fire Stick. A hundred percent. So I just I give up and I just like I I just put it on Netflix and I started watching The Floor Is Lava and I just don't understand what I'm doing with my life anymore. <laughs> I really don't get watching these these grown adults going across a, a little room obstacle playing The Floor Is Lava. I just I hate everything. We need an old man support. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, guys. <laughs> you gotta got switch to Hulu Hulu's where it's at guys A they have live sports But as Dame tells us They don't just have live sports They also have uh, reruns of Letter Kenny And that, that's, that's my office right now here's, here's my issue with Hulu And I say this as Someone who gets paid by Mickey Mouse Our employee package Comes with ads And that doesn't change yeah. until it recycles in, At the beginning of April so guess what? I'm not using Hulu until I've got Hulu with no ads. Then how are you going to watch the uh, the Geico uh, with the uh, scoop? There it is. A billion times. It's just no. No. <laughs> I've, been, I've been working for Disney for almost three years. I deserve no ads, all right? <laughs> I, I remember when they first introduced like, Hulu Plus, and it's like, oh, you can have Hulu now, and you can pay for it. Cool. Oh, you mean I stuff to watch your commercials? Nah, that's and as you buy Hulu Premium, <laughs> <laughs> you get you just get fewer commercials with Hulu Plus, and then Hulu Premium is no commercials. 
And what? you know, I messed up too. Like I, I'm so mad about it because I messed up when I signed up last year because you have to put what email address you want it connected to. Uh-huh. And so my work stuff was connected to one account already. And and then I was like, wait a minute. My ESPN account, my Hulu account, my Disney Plus account are on the other email. So I constantly have to, like, log in and out. Like, if uh, I want to use no. ESPN Plus for my fantasy stuff, I got to go, like, into a different window and make sure I'm signed out and log in through my actual work account and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, this is such a hassle. So all, all that is finally going to be changed in a couple weeks. And I can't wait because maybe – Maybe I can just finally stop watching The Floor is Lava at 2.30 in the morning when I get off of work and just wondering, where did I go, where did I go wrong? Wow. <laughs> I think uh, we can start the episode on that one. Yeah. yeah before this gets I, any sadder. I'm starting to welcome to the like, old man like support group uh, podcast episode one. <laughs> Welcome to episode 10 of the Old Man Support Group. Yes. 30s are the new 50s. This is also somehow, sometimes forever Toros, but today is the Old Man Support Group. <laughs> wow. Just wow. <laughs> Talk about sports sometimes. Okay, I thought I had a phone call real quick. All right, let's start for real. Welcome everyone to episode 10 of Forever Toros, the Old Man episode and show podcast. And good lord. Man, we we need to get some some youth in here. Like I can't have Paul having like the youth podcast if we're going to be the old man scared of technology group. And I, I know Paul's going to be listening to this and just wondering. Cause I know Paul's not remotely hip at all. Paul's not in the like in the know, except for when he used to like do the Jersey Shore stuff. Like that that's oh, yeah. amazing. That uh, and we that needs to be talked about more. Paul needs to do like an entire Spurs cast episode d- dedicated to like his Jersey Shore recaps. I need to know more about this. <laughs> we'll we'll save that for episode for eleven. I'm pretty sure it's like permanently gone. Oh, we'll find it. Oh, we'll find it. <laughs> if they can create whatever. Top Shot highlights, we can find Paul's Jersey Shore recap. <laughs> Everything comes back to Top Shot. All right. So, obviously, Austin's season is over. Um, we don't really want to dwell on <laughs> on how Austin finished the bubble because it wasn't great. They went two and four, and then they just got in in the playoffs and got bounced out just like they're a 16 seed in the tournament. Um, yeah, but understandably so. Yeah, yeah, we can't we can't be too upset. Obviously, you know, Luca and Trey were in San Antonio. Uh, Robert Woodard ended up leaving the bubble due to a hamstring injury, so the Kings recalled him. Right, and funny enough, they won without him until it was time to play the Ignite and play uh, the Delaware Blue Coats in the playoffs. So that was that was fun while that lasted, but. Uh, we we do want to give a, a quick shout out. We'll start the episode with a quick shout out towards uh, Galen Robinson, who yesterday yeah. was announced as the 2020-2021 NBA G League Jason Collier Sportsmanship Award winner. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, that is, uh, according to the G League, honors the player who best represents the ideals of a character and conduct as a teammate on the court and in the locker room. Uh, Jay- Galen is the first Austin Spur to win the award, but hey, 
if you guys, I mean, this probably isn't like a trivia question because I'm sure you all read the press release, but do you know who the first player was to win the award? No. Wow, I'm really, thank you guys for playing along with the game and actually making it sound like you didn't know. <laughs> it's actually former Spur Ime Udoka was the first winner of that sportsmanship award. So hey, that's, that's really cool. Even after him, that's that's like a, that's like a shot right there. Like, uh, <laughs> I for the, to win the award, but you don't quite fit the 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 mold that we like. So we'll just name it after Jason Collier. <laughs> Here's a sidebar with Ime. <laughs> So Ime's winning a sportsmanship award in the G League, but is that, are y'all familiar with the infamous bar fight oh, story? Yeah. No. Uh, I, I know Mike Taylor used to tell it on, on STSA all the time, but the, the, the bar fight story is just one of the craziest things I've ever heard. If you don't know what it is, look it up, because the details are scarce in my head after all these years, literally like <laughs> a decade and a half of Mike Taylor telling that story. But Ime is apparently someone you don't want to mess with. So if you're going into a bar fight, like I think Steven Jackson and Ime Odoko on me, and I'm good. You're good. That, that's all I want. <laughs> yeah, so, I heard set. Take on yeah, yeah, you're set. I heard he also got now. Into, I have to look uh, this in, up in a, in a game one time too, like overseas. I can't remember who. Uh, I think was it was it. I'm not. No, it was it was like former UT player that uh, talked about him one time, and he was like, "Yeah, don't mess with him." That apparently some fans like came after them on on a road game one time and like he like totally like got into it and so apparently that's not the only time. Wow! Uh, so this post from Hoops Hype was from December ninth, two thousand seven, and it's no longer found. Hoops Hype, what are you doing to me? Come <laughs> on, we're we're trying to make content here. So, so what you're telling me though is Ime is probably the last person you would expect to have a sportsmanship award. Uh, Ime is definitely someone you want on your side and don't <laughs> want him mad at. It's almost like you know, it's like if he was doing those Bruce Bowen like flying kicks in real life outside of games. Wow! Know, in, in the proper setting. Uh, back, back to the podcast that we were doing. Back to the original show. Well, congrats to Galen. Yeah, you know, congrats he, to Galen and his. Getting uh, not even a full season with the team. Seriously, he didn't even joined till what the second week of of the Gubble. Yeah, Galen only played in eight games with Austin. Uh, averaged seven point eight points, six point four assists, one point four steals. And I, I mean, look, I'm biased. I I don't know Galen personally. I know people that do know Galen. Obviously, we went to school together. Uh, even though I am an old man, yes, I did go to U of H later in life, and I am biased because he's a coog. But uh, you know the, him and his business and what he does for the community, and I think it, it nothing. It doesn't surprise me because when you see someone like Keldon Johnson wearing his uh, wearing it's Galen substantial line. worldwide yeah. hoodies, it's it's really cool to see. Like you can tell the, his teammates respect him, and he's really well beloved by his peers. And I think that's probably what made him. The perfect spur, honestly. Uh, especially when he got signed. Because, I mean, Houston had a bunch of good guys that were obviously going to the G League that year, undersized point guards. And Galen kind of just fits like the Spurs everything kind of culture. Yeah, and that's actually, I mean, that, that kind of fit is one of the reasons why I thought, you know, last August that he might be one of the considerations for a two-way contract. Especially, you know, this was before the Trey Jones draft pick. So we were... 
really in need for a, a, a true point guard. And when you went through his stats there, you know, 6.4 assists, that, that's what he does. He's not a yeah. scoring point. He's not a score first point guard. He's a distributor. And um, and I, I, I think that his play style and obviously, you know, earning a sportsmanship award, uh, he's, a, he's a spur through and through. Absolutely. Mike, any thoughts on uh, Galen's sportsmanship award? No, I mean, I just think that it's, it's like you guys were talking about. It was, it was a player that once I found out that, you know, he was going to play in Austin, I was like, okay, well, that's definitely his first move. And I'm not surprised that, that you know, he was uh, named. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely fits the, I guess, the brand. As much as I hate this word, but the brand <laughs> of, yeah. of the, the Spurs. He just seems like a natural kind of fit. So, um which you is know. why it was odd to see him not on the on the original roster. No, you know, know, he had to pull him out of the player pool. Um, yeah, yeah, just weird. At least uh, he was here. Looks good. Mike, I can't believe this is the old man podcast, and you just used the word brand. That's that's why I said I hate. <laughs> well, I was kind of on brand with my saying that I hate it. Oh man, never. There's never a dull moment on this podcast, I swear. At least for us. There's probably people listening that are just like, what is wrong with these people? But this is why I love what we do. Uh, let, let's get into the real stuff. Let's, let's evaluate Matt Nielsen's first quote-unquote season. Uh, I have nothing. He did a great job. That, that's the take. That's the take. I don't, I don't know what else you're supposed to say after 15 well, games. I, I mean, I got to differ. I, gotta, I, I, I don't think that coach did a great job um even with the 10 and 5 record in the regular you know through the quote-unquote regular season you know the first 15 games um and it's because week after week and game after game he kept speaking on the same thing when we asked him about it in the media sessions about your team came out and they had to fight back they had they, they were clawing back in every game, even in somewhere where you had a twenty four point lead in the third quarter. You'd let it get away from you, and this team just had to claw back. And that's where I dubbed fourth quarter Luca as fourth quarter Luca because it, you needed his heroics to get them back into it. And every time, Coach Nielsen said, "You know, I, I don't I don't know why this happens with the team. I don't know how to get to them to talk you know, to they, I, I tell them." But they're not, they're not responding. For whatever reason, they're not playing tougher all four quarters. And that was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back against Delaware in the playoff game, too. You let yourself get far behind enough, and, and you, you don't have Trey, and you don't have Luka, and you don't have Robert Ward II to, to bring you back into it. And that's why you go out in the first round of the playoffs. And so because Coach Nielsen had the same question presented to him, through 15 regular season games and then that playoff game and was unable to make an adjustment within his players to impact them enough to get them to play tougher, I, I don't think it was a great season for him. Mike, yeah, and yeah go for it. <laughs> yeah, I was say, I mean, to be fair, it was a truncated season. It's always hard, especially. In, but you know, one thing you like to see is sometimes some teams come together it seemed like early on they they relied a lot on uh, Luca and Trey. Oh yeah. And so then when they were without them, they're kind of you know they they were looking for answers. One thing I will I will say that I wish I would have seen more is, is some of the minutes. And I understand you want to try to get other people involved, but like Anthony Mathis not 
only paying him 14 minutes in that game against uh, Delaware, uh, uh, Delaware, which is a team that had already beat them pretty badly. When, when you're keeping like a flamethrower like that, kind of on the bench, paying him for 14 minutes. I, I don't know if I, I don't know that I'll, I like that very much. I wish I would have seen a few more minutes from him. That guy, I think, given more minutes and given more consistent role, could have. And I don't know who knows. It could be a reason behind that where they don't want to um, show off all his tools. But I feel like he could have had. He could have done a lot more um, with the more consistent role. Uh, but it, it, it's harder, you know. It, it's something that he didn't have the benefit that you know the coaches in the past have always had as a full longer. You know, much longer season, and it all just came came about. And then, when you lose your two best players, and, and then you lose your third best player, shortly <laughs> after that, it's kind of like you've got to scramble. So, um, some room for improvement for sure. But I think they at least have the right guy, and he's just going to take some time. Yeah, they, go ahead. Well, I I just I think that's my biggest thing is just. You know, the circumstances he was given in comparison to a normal season, I I get that especially the last two games are extremely disappointing how they finished out. But I I just I don't see how do I put this gently? I, I don't think a roster where Cam Reynolds is supposed to be your best player is gonna go very far. And that's not a slight on Cam. He's just, there's no one else around him to help him out. And that kind of also ties into uh, what we're looking towards the Spurs doing moving forward. But we'll save that for coming up next. I just, I, you know, you lose Luca and Trey. And I, I kind of feel like maybe his hand was forced in those last two games to show off Quindary as, you know, make sure he gets his conditioning uh, right. Make sure he gets his run in because Quindary hasn't really played this season. You know, he had the knee injury to start. He had the COVID episode. And then they just say, here, go to the bubble. You need to get some kind of run in. We need to see what we have here. And then he turns the ball over eight times in a playoff game. And it's just, it, it, it's those things where it's just like, I I feel like Coach Nielsen is was really limited in what he was supposed to do. And granted, they could have done a lot better. They could have played better. But roster... Could, you know, the, just the roster construction overall wasn't really conducive to a winning team outside of the guys that they had to start the bubble, which is why we saw them go undefeated so early. That's just me, though. Right, but, I mean, you have to... If you're expecting him to coach this team to a potential championship, I don't think I don't know that that was ever the standard for this season. If it, as I, I'm evaluating him as a coach... In terms of handling rotations, right? What you guys have talked about, um, reaching his players, you know, again, the the getting them to respond to to a, a different game plan and, and 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 you know, giving full effort. That I don't think that it was a, a successful season. But go back to episode three when we were talking about this, you know, back in January. What was the goal for the Gubble season? It was the development of Luka Shamanic. Bar none. That's what it was. And he had Luca looking great. Double, he averaged a double double. Uh, what, 21 plus points, 11 rebounds per game. And he got, he got called up quickly. And, and, and when Luca was in, when Luca played, the team was 6 0. 
you can't ask for much more than that. He developed him. Even for the Kings, I think the Kings are really happy that uh, that Robert Ward II was a part of Matt Nielsen's team because he developed the way you wanted to see him develop. Again, 16, uh, 16.8 <clears throat> points, again, 11 rebounds. It's just weird to kind of see under Coach Ahern, we developed guards very, very well. And Coach Ahern was a guard himself. And then that's where I loved the hire, or the promotion rather, of Coach Nielsen because he's a four. And so he developed fours. He did, did in just a short span. I think that he helped Luca's development. And then I think that he helped uh, Robert Order the Second's development. And even uh, my hero of the Gubble, that my just my favorite player, maybe not, not even a hero, but Nate Renfro. I, I just loved the effort that he gave game in and, and game out. And if you look at it from the development standpoint of what the need of the parent club is, which is was developing Luca, then that was it was a major success. Hands down. But what do you do moving forward? If we're if you're changing your head coach to develop what your needs are for your club at the next level, is Matt Nielsen still coach of this team next year? I don't know that he showed me an, enough to lean either way. I think that he's going to be a head coach de facto next year, but I would like to have seen players respond to him a little bit more. I will say my my thing with yeah he it's a success off of development of Luca because the San Antonio rumors even have Trey Lyles in in trade conversations because Luca has shown right. you. Hey, he can give you good backup NBA minutes right now, which is not something we could have said at the start of the season. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I also just look at Austin's roster and don't see a true point guard outside of Galen Robinson and maybe London Parents. Like, honestly, the, the, the distributing that Austin was really successful at to start wasn't there once Trey left and Galen was your primary ball handler. Right. And so, like, Quindary's not a true point guard. And, I mean, the, the eight turnovers is one thing, but he's never been a real high assist guy. And I just think – I don't want to say he can't develop guards because Bryce Cotton was an Austin Spur who became an MVP under him in Australia. Uh, I, I just – I but really he was just an feel assistant like, in Australia, right? No, he, he was the was head a, coach. Was he was he the, the head, head coach? coach. Yeah, they, were, they, won three ti- they won three titles and led – and Bryce Cotton got an MVP in Australia with him as a head coach. Like – I I think we just he needs just more time and he needs a proper roster like the, just the bodies coming in and out some of these guys that I don't think we ever saw play a minute during the regular season I, like Adam Mokaka I, I have no idea yeah. who that was until I saw the box score that night came down from the Bulls you know yeah. so he was a late assignment from the Bulls and in fact actually I'm putting together a piece on wrapping up the season guys and and the the Austin Spurs made at minimum 12 transactions insane in a month for, for 15 games <laughs> 12 transactions in a month yeah it was it was a 29 day season and you make 12 uh, at least 12 transactions in terms of call-ups releases i mean even jalen morris who was a part yeah. of this team you know he was a he was a uh addition i think maybe in the first you know coming out of the first week um when, when Kyrie Thomas was down with his hamstring injury at that time, and uh, he got cut. He didn't even make it till March. And then you have to bring in, you know, the, the forcing Quindary into the lineup. And, and Q was talking after, you know, in, in the 
a press session after the game against Delaware, and he was like, "I'm still, <laughs> I'm still recovering from COVID, guys." Like, yeah, yeah, I have to clean up my my eight assists, but coming off of knee surgery, I hadn't touched a basketball. You know, to come off of a knee surgery and then go in and and, and have COVID, he hadn't really play, touched a basketball much in five months. Yeah, it's definitely, it, man. I, I just. 12 transactions is just, that sounds like me playing yeah. fantasy basketball. Honestly. <laughs> All right. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm not going to go any further before I see I go off the rails on a rant, but somehow OG Ananobi is still unhealthy. Come on, Toronto, get it together. Anyway, uh, so let, let's evaluate. Uh, we, we've already pretty much touched on Quindary, and I, I want to evaluate a couple of these guys just because San Antonio currently has an open roster spot. And this whole LaMarcus thing is is throwing a big wrench into what we're going to see happen to this roster in the next week until the trade deadline. Whether he gets bought out or traded, I, I me and Mike were talking about this before recording. We have our doubts that trade's going to happen. I think yeah. as much as the Spurs want to bill it up, you know, it's already been a week. We, we heard that he was going to be traded within a week, and there, there still hasn't been anything. And I just kind of laugh at seeing some of these games where the Spurs are losing – and I'm like, hey, it would have been nice to have LaMarcus here and there, but, you know, that's that's not here or there anymore. Like, he's just gone. We're never going to see him in the Spurs uniform again. Um, so I do want to touch on two players, Cam Reynolds and Anthony Mathis. Uh, Cam Reynolds had mentioned right as soon as the bubble ended that he was waiting to see what the next step was at San Antonio. Yep. And he's still waiting. So I'm pretty sure that means Cam Reynolds is not going to see – a 10-day contract or a potential two-way or anything. Um, but overall, uh, Mike, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Cam Reynolds in the bubble and what he did for Austin? Uh, look, I, I think what what he he brings a lot of positives to the team. Uh, he was able to do a lot more than I think I expected, and I knew he could score and everything else, but like, at his size to be able to... Um, fight for rebounds the way he did, and I think uh, it was in that last game where he pulled down... Like uh, 14 rebounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. And it's something I didn't expect at all. Um, so obviously he's got the talent, you know. He's, 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 he averaged, I think, 16, 16 points, 4.6 rebounds a game, but then in that last game just went uh, crazy. So, you know, I, I think it's definitely a player. He's He's... Six seven, two twenty five. So he's about the right size for a player that could fit the, you know, the type of player that the Spurs need right now. They need, you know, threes, threes and fours. I think uh, right now, especially more than anything. And so he fits that. And um, you know, he was able to come in and take on that challenge with Luke and Trey out, and then with the. Out so for him to be able to do that, sure. I think kind of shows a little bit about his mindset and you know his will, willingness to step in. So you know, there's a lot at play. There's a lot going on. There's you know other players obviously that have been mentioned that we'll talk about, but you know I, I I'd like to see him get some sort of a chance. I don't know what that is right now. There's just like so many unanswered questions that it's hard to say um, for sure what that will be. Jonas, do you see a spot for Cam in San Antonio? 
or is this just like, hey, thanks for coming to training camp, thanks for the G League, and you're part of our system now for the future no matter what? Uh, not really, because the spot that I would see for Cam Reynolds would be if the team were to move DeMar DeRozan. Because he fits that wing role very well. Um, the athleticism is there, but the consistency is not quite there to what Demar produces. Uh, I think that Demar is a key piece to this, you know, to the to this San Antonio Spurs moving forward. Um, I would like to see him come back on another deal, but if he doesn't come back, I think that's where you saw Austin lean on Cam Reynolds a lot more, and he even talked about it after that Delaware game in terms of saying. I was asked to do things that are, are more than just what I'm, I'm, I've done through three years, you know, or, or for through two years rather. And uh, he was ha- having to handle the ball a little bit more. He was just primarily known as a shooter, you know, but but he had to defend a little bit more. He had to ball handle a little bit more, and then you you just saw him take over at times. And I think that you saw what you needed to from him to say, okay, if Demar Derozan decides to leave. After this season, and he doesn't, you know, doesn't sign another contract, San Antonio, or if the team decides to just outright move him before the trade deadline, then you have a guy who can step in and fill that kind of role. And it's similar size, similar length, and similar ability. Not quite the slasher, but maybe you know, um, you don't lose a whole lot from the from the shooting side, and you have the familiarity. You know, so and, and a very young guy at that point too. So that's where I think that he would fit. But in the current makeup of the team, there's not a spot for him. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I don't see where someone. I, I feel like I'll, I'll start with this. The Spurs are rumored around a lot of guys right now in terms of the Lamarcus trade. And potential filling out the roster spots, they're rumored around a lot of guys that cannot or, or cannot be described as like a prototypical three and D guy. And I think that's my biggest problem because Cam Reynolds is, you know, Dejounte Murray's developed a nice little shot. He's been able to make defenses pay for leaving him alone, but he's not a three point shooter. And I think Cam is that same type of player, just a little bit taller. He's not going to kill you from outside, but he can hit the the occasional three. And the the I think the knock on Cam right now is he's only played nine NBA games in his whole career, and he's already twenty six. Right. So it, we're nearing you know where he's supposed to be in his prime, and I'm I'm really proud of him for you know doing what the coaching staff asked, taking on more responsibility. We saw that he can probably play a small ball four. I just don't see how he fits San Antonio's current mold at all. Because you've got someone like Akita Bates Diop, despite him being hurt, uh, who who kind of is a little bit of that same type of player, and a little bit more consistent, and also is just more experienced when it comes at the NBA level. Um, and then when we touch on some of these other guys like Chris Silva and Casey Okpala, that, there there are just so many different things where like if if Lamarcus gets moved in a deal that comes with a lot of secondary and you know two-way type of players cam's not going to see his spot in san antonio period and maybe i i think maybe san antonio's hope is what we see kind of happen with a lot of guys maybe it's hey now go overseas go get your money work on what we told you work on the things that we've taught you here and you just try to develop a little bit more in that sense and then come back next year and we'll see what you've got and maybe that leads to another g league job maybe that leads to another two-way 
what have you. But he's already it definitely Cam is definitely one of those guys that is uh, in San Antonio's orbit. I'll say where you'll always see them maybe come around for summer league, maybe training camp, and then they'll go on to another team. Maybe, you know, go back to Milwaukee or somewhere he's familiar with the system. Or maybe now he has that Spurs stench on him where they're like, well, if the Spurs think you can, you're good enough for their team, you have to be good enough for us like everyone else right. in the NBA. The whole copycat league. So uh, I also want to touch on Anthony Mathis just because he shot 38% from three on seven attempts per game. And yes. I know he's only 6'4", yeah. but that kid can shoot and it made me so happy to see. So, it just <laughs> someone that can get the ball in the damn bucket, no matter what the scenario is, is just a nice, welcoming existence for Austin. And and someone that just takes mostly threes. We didn't have to worry about too much of an inside game or him driving. He was strictly just out there to spread the floor, shoot threes, and when he got to the line, if he ever did, hit those shots. So, Jonas, what are your thoughts on Anthony Mathis? Anthony Mathis can fill the role that I wanted for Bryn Forbes. When when that's when Bryn, a bad name on this podcast. <laughs> well, I, so I always I I'm a firm believer that Bryn Forbes was just always out of role. He oh, was yeah. not meant to be a starting 100%. point guard. He was not meant to be a starting shooting guard. He was supposed to be three point support off the bench. Steve Kerr. Yeah, you need a you need a flamethrower to come out there. Bring him out, and that's what Anthony Mathis is now. Uh, he after he had some really breakout games and his his best game is better than what Cam Reynolds brought yeah. us at any point during the G League season because he had a pair of thirty point games just where he just went off and you you he could score he did show ability to score from inside but man when he was cooking from outside he was cooking from outside and he showed that at Oregon in his senior year shot forty five percent from three point range. Uh, that that's what his game is, and the Spurs could really use that. This is one of the teams that, that's shooting near the bottom. I think the team's averaging what thirty five percent from beyond the arc right now. Yeah, it's not great. And uh, <laughs> if you find yourselves going in, you know, if the team has you know goes into the playoffs and finds themselves in a three point shootout, they're not going to win that battle. Like you said, there's not a three and D guy on this roster outside of I would argue Lonnie Walker, but. I would love to see Anthony Mathis get the call. He ha- he made the most of his opportunity. Um, unlike Cam Reynolds, he doesn't have the stench of you know being around the, you know the the NBA for a couple years and not quite making it. Anthony Mathis, this is his rookie, his rookie year. Yeah, bring him in on a ten day. Now, what scares me about bringing him up up on a ten day is you you show him a little bit more to the league, and then somebody else is going to come after him. Like you're you're gonna almost have to sign him because he has that big game potential to just go five of seven from beyond the arc on pure shooting ability, and somebody and a, a real contender looks at it and is like, oh, well, well, we could use that, you know. So uh, I I think that Mathis has the more likely opportunity than even Cam Reynolds to to earn a ten day somewhere. Mike, your thoughts on the the only sharpshooter that we've been able to really cover this season? Yeah, yeah. It, you know it's it, it's funny you mentioned Brim Forms because that's when I was uh, when I was looking at him and when I looked into his numbers, I was like, it kind of reminds me exactly of Brim, um, or at least the role that that Brim should have played. 
and he did the most with his minutes because I think he averaged like 21 minutes and still is able to get like 13 points. Yeah. You know, free rebounds. His his shooting percentages were just crazy. And then he had that one, I think it was a 21-point game at one point. I mean, he obviously can shoot. But that's the thing. The troubling thing is he's a six-foot guard. Right now there are like nine guys on the roster that can play guard. Um, I mean, you, know, I was, you could probably take tomorrow out of that because he's probably not going to play much guard at all uh, this season. But then it gives you another smallish guard and another smallish guard that's not a distributor. So, but I mean, it's almost like uh, you know, is it? It might be worth it just to make sure that he's not out there for somebody else to pick up because he's obviously got some talent. And uh, you know, like so his his shooting. Impressing quite a bit. Uh, and it's like you said with Brent, I felt like the the whole time, I remember when he kind of got into the doghouse of Spurs fans. First, it was because, you know, I think he was winning a certain amount of money, and I was just like, this dude was like on a criminally low uh, contract, like totally team-friendly, like, let oh, yeah. him money. And second, because he couldn't play defense, but I'm just like, Brent is who we always thought he was, and like, and there's always my problem with, with, with a lot of Spurs fans is they're just like, well, he can't do this. He can't like he never was able to do that. You you, you don't change your skill set overnight in the NBA, especially in like two years. Like he's not supposed to be a guy that you rely on that much. He is like I said, like and like Tune said, kind of like in that Steve Kerr role where it's three points put off the bench when you need quick buckets. That's who you go to, and I see that kind of role for Anthony Mathis. It, it, like I said, it's tough just because, again, another player where you don't know what's going to happen. There's other players, you know, rumored. But, you know, it, it, it's hard to pass on him because it, it does it become one of those players that you hear about or that you, you saw that were with Austin or that was kind of available that Spurs passed on and does well somewhere else. You know, we've seen a few players like that over the years. And, uh you know, I, I don't know what else to say except his his game impressed me. His like readiness and able to, ability that even with such inconsistent minutes, he'll still able to get in there and and make the most of what he had. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me. I I feel like the reason Anthony Mathis may not get too much of a look, and probably why he didn't get a look until so late in the bubble. I, I can't think of the last guy from Oregon where I just looked at him and said, that guy's an NBA player 100%. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what it is that Oregon maybe just can't develop NBA players really well. Like I, I think Chris Boucher right now is probably one of the better ones. I know Peyton Pritchard is probably filling the role that we think Anthony Mathis can fit in Boston. But that the difference is that San Antonio can't take – a flyer on Anthony Mathis the way Boston can. Boston's, you know, mm-hmm. trying to contend for a title. They can have Peyton Pritchard come off the bench and be nothing but a three-point shooter. And San Antonio can't really afford that luxury. It's why you saw Marco go back to Italy. It's why you saw Bryn go to Milwaukee, where Bryn can play off the bench in a proper role <laughs> like right. like Bryn did his first year in San Antonio and not not try to get everything, not not be told by the Spurs, hey, we need you to do more and then have all your deficiencies exposed. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious as to what happens with him. I think uh, if I remember right, he came from overseas, that he initially signed overseas in Greece. 
and then came this way, just trying to, I guess, get more exposure. Uh, they but, drafted him, right? Yeah, he was drafted by Austin in, in yeah, the, in the second draft. round. Saved yeah. that draft, not to be like, not to like, there's too much shade there, but he pretty much saved their draft because the other two draft picks didn't really do heck of a lot. So yeah, seriously, yeah. Caleb and, and, Johnson did, did a little bit, and uh, Kasi Babu uh, came back to the team late, but I think he still only averaged at five points. I don't know what it is. I feel like the, the G League draft, maybe uh, the first couple picks is always like NBA vets, and if it's not NBA vets, it's someone who was really missed out on. But I don't really expect a lot from the G League draft. I don't I don't know why it's like that, but I, I think there's the, the talent pool – in the NBA's orbit is just too vast for the for a, a G League draftee to make that much of an impact. I think it's more about the have, have, having the returning player rights, exactly. You know, and, and and having that first access to them for for your G League team and being able to develop them up. But it's funny that you mentioned you know, Greece because as we're sitting here talking about Mathis's potential. And adding another six four guard, I'd like to remind San Antonio Spurs fans that we have somebody in our orbit named Dalton Hamas over in Italy, <laughs> who's six foot eight, adds more size and similar shooting ability. That if you needed to bring somebody else in, if you're not gonna you know go after a, a guard, you can still address that. Um, Three, four, maybe stretch five if you needed to. Position with a Dalton Hamas, um, another fix. You know, it doesn't help Anthony Mathis, but <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's one of those things where there's just so many guys that have come through Austin that could maybe make just the slightest bit of impact in San Antonio, but who knows? And and that leads us to. Our, our final point, we, and I, I want to touch on these three guys just all together because obviously these are just rumors. There's no actual tangible news on any of these guys yet. Uh, but one of the mentioned trades uh, for LaMarcus Aldridge involved the Heat, which I, I feel like is a pretty no-brainer um, trade partner if you can get salaries to match. Uh, I, I feel like LaMarcus would probably thrive off the bench behind Bam. I, I feel like he's the the whole championship culture and everything about the Heat organization. Lamarcus is perfect for. Uh, obviously, there's Boston with their trade exception. Both Los Angeles teams are going to be interested. Who knows if you know the way Dallas is playing? If he wants to go home, it's just the, making the salaries to match is the hardest part, and mm-hmm. and just not letting him get bought out. And I think if he gets bought out, he's probably going to go to L.A. I think he's got a home in Orange County anyway. But I think if you're going to trade, I think it's going to be Miami. And I don't I don't want to focus on the other pieces involved, like the Myers-Leonard or Kelly Olynyk. Myers-Leonard is not going to have an NBA job this season regardless after what he did on Twitch. It, it, he's, he's already hurt as it is, but that definitely solidified him not having to worry about seeing the NBA for the rest of the year. But the, right. the two rumored guys at the end of the bench – uh, Casey Okpala and Chris Silva, one of those would probably be coming back to San Antonio in a trade. And especially if that deals a three for one, that kind of takes the last roster spot. Or if San Antonio suddenly gets just inundated with guys they want to keep, maybe you wave Quindary for one of these guys. But I, I'm i a big fan of both. They're not what the Spurs need. They're both high-energy guys. I don't think you're going to get KZ. KZ's a brilliant basketball player, You know, a Stanford product. He knows 
the game really well. Uh, very like Landry Fields type of echelon mentality when it comes to the game. But he's an actual rotation player in Miami. I don't think the, the Heat are trading that. Chris Silva, on the other hand, it's his second year in Miami. He did play 44 games from last year, but he's more of a garbage time role. And I think Chris Silva's energy, he, he's really humble. He seems like just hearing the guy talk, he, he sounds like a spur. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like he, He's just a really high-motor guy. He, he's a good rebounder. He's a good finisher. I, I think Chris Silva would definitely help the Spurs, but he doesn't have the three-point shooting there. Uh, you know, Chris Silva's 6'8". He's, he's about to be 25. So it's it's just like looking at a, another, a, like a little bit younger of a Cam Reynolds. Um, Mike, what were your thoughts on Chris Silva or Casey Okpala? I, I like Casey Okpala because I got to profile him uh, last year in like a draft thing, a draft, um, I guess like a, a mock draft thing. And, and I liked what I saw there. Obviously, he's not going to be like a consistent like shooter from outside, but I liked his game. Definitely very athletic, and uh, for him to be able to play, you know, power forward at six seven, uh, and been able to kind of hold his own so far, I, I like that. I have not seen a lot of Chris Silva, so I, I've I've tried looking at you know a few a few things he does like, but he seems kind of like a, sort of kind of like the same. He's he's like six eight. He's power forward. Can play a little. Bit of center, and uh, you know he, his minutes have been. He, he's had a few games where he's gotten uh, few minutes. Like March twelfth on the Bulls, he had four points, but three rebounds in twelve minutes. But you're not going to see a lot kind of like pop off the page. Uh, so I'd like to see a little bit more of him before, uh, before I guess they make any kind of decision. I, I I have I'm not sure exactly what they're seeing. Arthur just seeing potential and maybe a guy that they can stick in maybe Austin next year. Uh, whereas Okpala is definitely, I mean, he's a rotation guy for Miami. I'm not sure that he'd be, but he'd at least be like kind of a, a the bottom end of the rotation, I think, and somebody that they can use to to improve and grow a little bit. And so I, I like that a lot better, but you're right. I, I don't see... I don't see that happening. I feel like they like him a lot, and especially with everything going on with some of the other players. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that they're probably going to want to keep uh, somebody like him that can play the four uh, if need be. Jonas, what are your thoughts? Not interested. <laughs> just, <laughs> just not – okay, I, I, I'm probably in the minority of the fan base here. Uh, I, I don't want to see the team make a deal. I'm okay with even LaMarcus Aldridge just fading off into the sunset, getting released, whatever. Because I think that what anything that you would trade for at this point, you already have on your roster in terms of needs. The question has to be become has to be if is if you want to win games now, or if you want to win games in the future, because. We're talking about six, eight guys, six, seven guys, and I'm hearing Devin Vassell. Yeah. I'm hearing his minutes disappearing then at that point because you should focus on the number nine overall draft pick that you already have in terms of giving those opportunities. Trey Lyles, I think, is a better prospect than either of these two guys, again, because 
he has the three-point shooting ability. He has the rebounding ability, and he already knows the system. Now, uh, he's up, I, I think his contract is up at the end of the year, and so that's where he enters trade talk a little bit more. But give him a consistent role at the four, not at the five. And and with LaMarcus gone, I think you can open that up a bit more. Um, Drew Eubanks, we just signed the guy to a three-year contract, six foot nine. We were talking about a high motor, high energy, you know, good teammate kind of guy. Put him on the floor. You know, we, we already have these pieces here. And that's where if I had to use that last roster spot, I'm just going to use it for three-point shooting, which is where you can fit that Anthony Mathis kind of role in there. Uh, because, yes, you can pick up more wins with LaMarcus Aldridge, as, we, you know, as you were talking about earlier, John, about how, oh, well, if LaMarcus was in this game, we could pick up more more points and probably win this one. Uh but that's not the focus, right? The focus is about we wanted to see the young guys. You wanted to give them run. You want to give them experience. And, and, and you take that oftentimes at the cost of winning. Now, it's not, it, the, the Spurs are not tanking this, se- this season by any means. They're still in playoff contention. Uh, this is just experience. These guys have to learn to take their L's. And learn to take that without saying, oh, well, it's because LaMarcus had a bad night. Uh, you know, th- I think that when you get rid of that excuse, I don't want to see the team do anything. I don't. I don't think that Silva's going to do anything for me. KZ is not going to do anything for me. Uh, I- I'm not even messing with the trade. I so my my whole thinking with this, and it, it, it's just, I feel like the Spurs are really desperately trying to find an asset for someone who isn't an asset anymore, and he's not going to be an asset regardless of where he goes. Uh, I Boston. I know the talk about Boston's there, but you're taking away minutes from like someone like a Robert Williams or Daniel Tice, and hoping that he can hit. Like I, I, the the whole logic is Lamarcus can win you one playoff game, and if he does that for you, that's enough. And I I get that. Right. I understand that. I agree, but I don't think that any of these teams really want to give up a real asset for someone like LaMarcus, knowing that that's his ceiling. And that's where I kind of like look at Miami as the perfect trade partner, because if San Antonio wants a real asset out of it, you can get one of those guys and hopefully keep them on at the end of the bench or a two way, let them develop in Austin because they're not going to develop in Miami in a limited role. And you can get someone who can help you now, like a Kelly Olenek, who is an average three point shooter who came off a career high three point shooter last year, and he's a veteran, and that's someone that can help you. He, he, he's played for the Celtics, he's played for the Heat, he's been in the playoffs. Like that, Kelly Olynyk fits right. that Lamarcus role better than Lamarcus does because you're not expecting Kelly Olynyk to go give you twenty and ten because he's earning twenty four, twenty five million dollars a year, and and Kelly Olynyk is, I think, a free agent at the end of the season, so. It's just enough to get by to help out the young guys. It's just enough three-point shooting to help spread the floor. And it helps limit – I don't want to say limit Luka because obviously Luka can only give you so much right now. But I would prefer to see a couple you know, veteran minutes out of Kelly Olynyk than Trey Lyles. I think Trey Lyles is kind of already – he has the talent. He has a skill set, but it's just not enough of what the Spurs need. There's a mm-hmm. lot of moments where he likes to hold on to the ball a little too much, like he's a point guard. There's sometimes where he makes some really bad decisions trying to drive yeah. or shoot, and I'm just kind of like, 
you just he's he's it's like he's trying to play out of his game for no reason instead of just playing his actual game as a spot up and maybe an interior force here and there um so i i just i'm really just kind of i understand where you're coming from and i just i don't think a trade's going to happen regardless just because no one's going to want lamarcus i think he's going to end up getting bought out and the spurs are going to end up paying him like they paid palgus all and they're still paying damari carroll um the only other hope that i have uh I, the alizé johnson rumor uh him on a 10 day would be actually really nice but Alizé also fits that same mold as a 6'8 wing who's just an energy guy. Um, not really much of a shooter, but, you know, really good defender, a excellent rebounder. And I feel like Alizé may have a, a shot because, like we mentioned before, the Spurs are playing a, a, a ton of games in two months, a two months and a week, you know? And now that... Keita Bates Diop has a hamstring injury. That's not something they're gonna. The Spurs are gonna want to rush him back on. So maybe Alizé on a ten day contract is kind of perfect. You know, that's a that's a guy that has a high motor and kind of fills those gaps on the defense on a you know third string, maybe a second string here and there. And you know, at twenty four, if you can retain him and keep those rights and go into next season, because that that's the other part of this that we haven't talked about. The next season going in with. The Spurs have a lot of cap room unless they go try to re-sign DeMar and some of these guys. And if you right. do re-sign those guys, you're going to need those minimum salaries at the end of the bench. And Alizé kind of fits that role. And you just hope that you can develop that shot because he was a decent three-point shooter in college, but he he's not reliable yet from that distance. Maybe some time with Chip and you can have him and Devin playing together. But I, I just, none of these guys are going to take Vassell's minutes, but Vassell's minutes are hardly there as it is. Same thing right. with Trey Lyles. Like you don't want to kind of handicap some of these guys. So, uh, if you guys have any thoughts on Alizé Johnson, please. I, I like the idea of a ten day. I just think that there's the one thing about him is he can be signed out right and does not to be involved in any kind of trade. So that's good. I also there's something intriguing about him. I think they're saying in high school he was a five nine point guard. So that. You know, he worked yeah. on his, 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 like, handles and, like, you know, his ball handling a lot. And so, you know, what, once he, geez, he goes to a 6-9, and he had it. And apparently he was always a good rebounder. So he has some skills there. And, so, and that, it would be interesting to see how he can play with that skill set because that's not something you see all the time. And, and like I said, it's not going to hurt you too much. Again, he kind of fits that same mold where he's an athletic, like you said, John, energy guy. It's not going to change a lot, but is it worth a 10-day just to see what you have there? And I think it would be. But I'm with you guys as far as, like, the uh, Marcus. The only thing is I hate to have that contract stretched out over, like, the next four years. Oh, no. In a buyout. <laughs> and then, like... You know, that's why I was telling, uh, I can't remember, somebody else was like, I would take a, a draft pick for him at this point just to get something out of it and just so you're not paying him. But then it would take uh, either Boston, I think, or that has a trade exception, or Oklahoma City to make that happen. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know if they're going to do that. And I think a lot of these teams also are going to be like, well, we can lose a piece or a few pieces 
to try to trade or wait to see if he gets bought out. I mean, that's the one thing about a player like this and when stories like this come out is that you don't really have a lot of gambling room there, especially if you know that they're going to be bought out. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> they can wait to get bought out or they can wait until the offseason when he's free agent. So it's kind of like, do you really want to take that risk or or can would you rather wait until the offseason and see what your chances are of signing him there? So that makes it really hard. Not to mention, like you said, that the, the salary is, is just a nightmare uh, in training. That's going to be t- uh, tough. So, you know, I, I think they're pretty much where they're at right now. Uh, and you might see them sign one player if nothing happens with uh, Marcus, but um, I don't see a whole lot changing. Jonas, any additional thoughts on maybe Alizé Johnson? Alizé Johnson has my interest. He had a great gobble. A great gobble, in my opinion. Um, real, again, real Robert Woodard kind of numbers. Um, yeah. yeah, with a big-time scoring potential, uh, the ability to play a lot of minutes, uh, as he did with the with the Raptors. And the Raptors had a really good team. The 905 had a really good team, I think, for, um, for the G League. They, too, made the playoffs and went out in the first round. But uh, that's... I mean, it's at, it's at six foot seven, but that allows you to play a little bit more positionless basketball, yep. you know, over like a, a six four Mathis kind of deal. You're right; he doesn't shoot a lot from three point range, but you can see a bit of the stroke there. Um, and 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 you don't you don't pull down double digit rebounds if you don't have hustle, you know, especially at, at, at six seven. So, um, I I'd be more intrigued in him as a prospect than anything else at this point and just kind of putting him at the end of the bench. It's insurance for injuries um, and and uh, young talent is really more or less what I'm after at this point because within the next two years, guys, Keldon Johnson's going to be a veteran. Yeah. You know, Devin Vassell is going to be a veteran. Trey Jones is going to, you know, Lucas Shimanez is going to be in year four here coming up soon. He'll be a veteran. Lonnie Walker will be a veteran. And so you're going to want a young group to go to come follow up these guys as you build a franchise. You don't need to get older. Um, and then if you can get Alize, I don't know what his contract situation is, if he's a two-way. Uh, but off the stat sheet, yeah, I, I, I'm down with them. That, that, that sounds like the best deal for me. Yeah, that's something uh, Paul and I had talked about because he was asking uh, if, if there's any kind of hurdles the Spurs would have to go through to sign Alizé, and right now there isn't. Right now they could just outright sign him. Uh, they they don't have the two-way spot, so he would have to be a 10-day at minimum or you'd have to guarantee him for the season. But Alizé is definitely someone that you know the Spurs are interested in, Get rumored to be interested in, so you, why not? And I think... I think that's where the whole LaMarcus issue is probably still tying into this because then you have two roster spots if you just buy him out and maybe you fill that with, I don't know what kind of veteran that's not chasing a title would come to San Antonio, but maybe you could fill that role with a veteran. Maybe you look out at other buyout markets and and see what's going to happen. Um, you know, I don't think any any of these bigger guys like the Andre Drummonds of the buyout market or, you know, are going to go anywhere other than a title contender. Right. Um, so that it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a kind of fun, a fun week leading up to the trade deadline. At least from from the end of the bench perspective. I don't I don't know where where the fun is in San Antonio losing Lamarcus because I 
that that I know that's a whole thing for Paul and for the Spurs cast. I just it, it sucks that this is how it ends, but at the same time, it's I'm really thankful. You know, Lamarcus ever picked San Antonio in free agency? Yeah. He didn't have to. It took two meetings, but you know it worked out. And I, they're literally just uh, an ankle injury away from winning the title. Let's be honest. Right. The, the, the signing would have worked out if it's not for that. And then what transpired after that, I don't think anyone needs to be reminded. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of Forever Toros. Uh, Jonas, plug, plug away, plug away. This is your time. <laughs> All right, uh, on Twitter at Jark Clonus um, with the with the gobble officially done. You know that's we're putting a bow on that, and so I've got a piece coming out on the network. Um, you know to, to take a look at that and a couple of the other guys who had decent seasons, and you could see back with Austin in the future, uh, London Parentes, um, even the my my guy Nate Renfro. Um, I, I think that there's some real potential and, um, we'll start preparing for hopefully a regularly scheduled programming broadcast of the G league. And when we come up in the fall, we'll see how that whole schedule works out because you'll just be coming out of the NBA season, but, um, you will have all that on project Spurs. Michael, what what am I missing out of promoting besides the Spurs cast because we're on the Spurs cast feed? Uh, obviously, that's ProjectSpurs.com, <laughs> ProjectSpursNetwork.com are the the main two to uh, to go see. So make sure you're um, you're visiting those. Uh, a lot of Spurs content still going up. Obviously, the Austin Spurs stuff will slow down, especially the podcast. But um, you know, we'll be back when any. Kind of news breaks. No, we're, we're transitioning to the old man show. To the what? <laughs> we're transitioning to the old oh, man show. Right. Uh. You got to start thinking about topics uh, next week. Um, maybe like we can <laughs> or, or we're going to open up Top Shot packs. Yeah, we can, oh, we can talk about Amazon uh, <laughs> always crashing. That'll be our next I'm week. I'm updating my iPhone right now because <laughs> now everything is crashing. <laughs> Everything is crashing on my phone. I'm about to throw this iPhone into Houston traffic. I swear to God. So Where from it belongs. <laughs> anyway, so from all of us over here at Forever Toros, thank you for listening. Great episode, guys. And obviously be on the lookout for everything, everything Project Spurs. And hopefully we can do some Spurs Rewind and, and rail more about some Top Shot or, or whatever. All right. See you guys later. Later.